Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. Hey, in this week's episode, we are going to introduce a brand new theological concept. No, just kidding. That would be heresy. Uh, we, we are <laughs> would it be? I think Potentially, so. I think we'd be on thin ice. Yeah, I think, I think I heard one of my seminary professors say, any new idea... That hasn't been around for the last 2,000 years? It's probably heresy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably good. Yeah. But it is a biblical issue. Uh, we're going to talk about, talk about new covenant sanctification. And what's, what's really neat about this... Those are this, huge words, buddy. I know. Uh, new covenant sanctification. What's really neat about this is Todd's here, and this is the topic of Todd's next book. We're declaring it Todd? here. Todd Miles, Dr. Todd Miles. From, from Western from Seminary. From Western Seminary. And so he's making a public declaration here and now, right? Can I say that? Uh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so if you're just tuning into this podcast, um, I encourage you to go listen to uh, the one titled uh, on superheroes. Yep. Todd Miles wrote a book. It was amazing on church heresy and 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 his connection with superheroes. An amazing way to understand uh, Christological Christological heresies. heresies that have happened throughout church history yeah. and to see the implications of them today. Uh, so really encourage you uh, to check out that other podcast. His book is also available on Amazon and, and really anywhere. Lifeway, um, and all sorts yeah. of yeah. What's the bio? I'm blanking. Superheroes. Superheroes can't superheroes save can't you. save you. It's a phenomenal book. We, ju- we just spoke on that. How are you blanking on that already? Yeah, I'm thinking about lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am getting hungry. All right, we're gonna tee it up for you, Todd. Tell us about new covenant sanctification. Okay, new covenant sanctification. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are part of the new covenant. Right. That's. It, that's like our, our, our governing documents, if you will. It's, it's, it's the covenant that we're part of. We're not part of the old covenant. We're not part of, uh, of the Mosaic covenant. We're part of the new covenant. That's the covenant that Jesus initiated with his uh, death and his res- resurrection. And there are all sorts of implications for this, how God is going to interact with us and how we are then supposed to respond to God. There's all sorts of promises in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about what will happen when we are saved. Now, I think the best way to understand this is, is to think through what the scriptures say about the, about the kingdom of God. I'm always fascinated whenever I read through the Gospels, uh, when Jesus, first John the Baptist and then Jesus, talk about the kingdom of God, no one ever raises their hand and says, what is this kingdom you're That's talking amazing, about? Yeah. What, what is this? You know, and and it, it's just like it was a thing already, and they just started announcing it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? So it's the kingdom of God is here. It's near. And so my, my best understanding is, is that Jesus's understanding of the kingdom, and John the Baptist also, would have come from what the scriptures were saying about this messianic age, this kingdom to come. And when, and when we think about it that way, ah, well, there's an awful lot in the Bible about the kingdom right. then. Even though the Old Testament doesn't use the term kingdom that much, it does speak about a king and a ruler and a place. And so it, everything we think about the kingdom, God's people in God's place under God's rule, uh, that, that's, that's there in Which the Old Testament prophecies. Just real quick, that's a great brief summary of what the kingdom of God is. I think Goldsworthy might have yeah, that's termed right. it's, that. It's, it's Graham Goldsworthy. God's people in God's place under God's rule. Yeah. Amazing little synopsis of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, and I'll, so I'll put in a plug to my, my a colleague of mine, Patrick Schreiner, just wrote a little book on the kingdom of God, and he alliterated it, God's people in God's place under God's power. Ooh, uh, so I, I just bought that book, actually, yeah, too. It came in a series, yeah. uh, and I, WTS Books had mm-hmm. them all half off. Nice. Might still be, if you go to WTSBooks.com, not 100% sure, but all the whole set of series, six, mm-hmm. six the, or seven. Six or seven now, they're all, really all, good. All were half but off, short, but all amazing. Nice books, yeah. Anyway, so the kingdom of God. And the, the documents, if you will, that govern this kingdom, it's... it's it's the new covenant. Uh, so like I, I, I often call the New Testament the new covenant documents, right? Mm-hmm. These are what govern us. Uh, I'm not going to go Andy Stanley on us here and say there's no use for the Old Testament. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but, but the That's New good, Testament... That would bring us into a different conversation. Yeah, it surely would, yeah. <laughs> so what is the anticipation of the kingdom? Well, 
uh, one of the huge promises of this coming age or this kingdom of God is forgiveness of sins. And where and, and I think Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, it's mm-hmm. it's magnificent. It says here, Ezekiel 36. Um, so this is Ezekiel. He's writing from Babylon mm-hmm. in the middle of the Babylonian exile. Mm-hmm. He's going to be saying the same thing that Jeremiah is saying, who's writing at about the same time, but he's writing it long ways away in Israel under siege, yeah. and it, it's just a disaster. So, and they're basically saying the same thing. So here's what Ezekiel has to say. He says... Uh, This is God making a promise. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 24 and following, I guess. Mm -hmm. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Okay, that would have been really helpful for the people of Israel who are in exile in Babylon. So Ezekiel's doing good work there. This is a promise of the end of exile. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Well, now he's talking about forgiveness of sins, which is a big promise of the kingdom, that in the kingdom of God, there's going to be this like weighty, robust forgiveness that uh, that seems to be greater than the forgiveness of sins that was offered through the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now, as a new covenant believer, we understand why that is. Blood of bulls and goats could never take away right. sin. But it's being anticipated here. There's this robust forgiveness that is awesome. So, so I will cleanse you, God says. And then he says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. Ah, this sounds a little bit like Moses' wildest dreams in Deuteronomy chapter 30, yep. where um, it, it's fascinating. Deuteronomy 28, promises of blessing if you keep the Mosaic covenant, followed by promises of cursing if you don't keep the covenant. There's some choreography in Deuteronomy 29. And then Deuteronomy 30, Moses says, okay, when all of this comes upon you, the good and the bad, including the mother of all curses, exile. And it's when, not if. I love that, it, yeah. It's just when, when it happens. no wondering if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, like so, so Moses is inspired by God here. He, he's a prophet. But, you know, he didn't even have to be a prophet because he'd hung out with these knuckleheads for the last 40 years. He <laughs> so knew what true. they were like. He knew they didn't have what it took to keep the covenant. Nothing wrong with the Mosaic Covenant, but a lot wrong with the people who would be trying to keep the covenant. Didn't Joshua yeah. say something similar? Oh, yeah. Didn't, yeah, over it, and over again. It, when, when he came and kind of reinstituted the people and, and said... And Joshua, what, 24 or something? Yeah, yeah. When, you can't. Yeah. Are you yeah. able to do this? And they said yes. And yeah, he says, we will keep the covenant. And Joshua's like, no, you No, won't. you can't. No, that's not going to happen. No, and so, so Moses says... Um, okay, so when this happens, including the mother of all curses, exile, because you, you don't have what it takes, God will circumcise your heart. Yeah. God yeah. will circumcise your heart. So the, Ezekiel's picking up on this whole idea here, prophetically, and he says, I will give you a new heart. Well, this is better than just circumcision of the heart, right? Uh, it's a new heart. Yeah. And, and then he says in the next phrase, a new spirit mm-hmm. I will put within you. I will... Remove the heart of stone from yeah. your flesh. So Ezekiel's thinking about the people under exile, and he sees his, his nation, his people, have continuously been rebellious because they just can't keep the covenant. They, don't, they cannot obey. They need a new heart. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and, and the heart that they actually have is basically dead towards God. It's stony and cold and lifeless. And so... Ezekiel writes, speaking for God, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, that dead heart, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That is something that's alive, warm, pulsating towards God. Now, so he says, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And so it's almost like he says, okay, I'm going to give you a new heart. You know what? No, I'm just going to give you a new spirit. And then in the next line, he says, you know what? Let's just cut to the chase. I will put my spirit within you. Mm-hmm. I will put my spirit. So I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm, I'm going to give you a new heart. No, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a new spirit. Let, all right, let's just cut to the chase. I'm going to give you my spirit. And then look what it says. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk yeah. in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Now, we ought not to think of that as like our will has been taken away from us. That's not what the heart is. Basically, the, the, the heart is the center of decision-making and wisdom and, and, and choices. And so we're not going to turn into robots here. We're going to be given a new heart. We're going to be given the Spirit of God who will so effect us that every fiber of our being is inclined toward the right. Hmm. I, I mean, I think this is how we are going to be kept sinless for all of eternity when Christ returns. Right. right. Once we have been glorified, then this is what will happen. We will have choice, right? But... The, the choice would be unthinkable. Every fiber of our being will love the right and delight in the right and know the right, and we will never sin. Can okay. I clarify real quick? Sure. Uh, it, it felt like what you were saying was before, you know, Moses and Deuteronomy said, I'll circumcise, yep. right? And then he's saying, I will sprinkle clean, yep. wash you clean. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I will give you... A new heart. Yep. And and what I thought I heard you say, well, wait a second. No, it's not just that. I'll give you a new spirit. Yep. Well, it, 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 no, it's not just that. I'll, I'll put my law, I'll put my spirit within you. I'll put my spirit within you. So, yep. so is, it, is it all three? Yeah. I think he's saying the same thing here. Okay. Um, and, and kind of going from lesser to greater, yeah. heart of stone, yeah. give you a heart of flesh. Ultimately, what we're talking about is God's spirit will dwell. God's spirit will dwell within the us. believer. Yeah, I think that's what's. I think that's what's being looked at here. Okay, so here is the question. Now, it's it's really clear what's being promised here. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Right. And so the question then becomes: Has that happened yet in the experience of any Christian out there? And, and like the experience as. We now perfectly walk according to God's law. We love one another uh, as Christ loves us. Um, is, yeah. is that the question? We, well, do we, so do do we, we live walk like sinless that? now? Now, and I've met that, people who have actually said, you know, because like First uh, John, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about. I write these things so you will not sin. Yeah. So they they question. Well, are we supposed to sin? Can we sin? Do yeah. we do we sin? And uh, yeah, those yeah. are a lot of questions yeah, no, that, no, that yes. Christians have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's there's that side, right? That, that we can be sinless because there's the holiness mm-hmm. movement, right? That believes. I mean, I've literally heard people say, "I haven't sinned yeah. since name a date," and it's like years ago. I'm like, well, "Yeah, man, this morning for me, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't take long." Was it that uh, long? No. I mean, <laughs> are we still morning? Well, I'm still morning. I guess. I mean, let's be honest morning. with that. What what they do in the holiness movement is they have to redefine sin, right? Uh, and it becomes something that is like a volitional, intentional uh, sin. But something on the, yeah. 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 Well, and, and then there's, and, and, and this is something I think we'll get into a little bit, uh, the idea that even now as Christians, as, as believers who have a new heart, because mm-hmm. we still have, we have a new yep. heart, don't we? I, I think that's what the scriptures say. That okay. the, the, this is the new covenant promise. Yes. It's the new covenant promise. Uh, Jeremiah says the same thing, mm-hmm. except he uses language of, I will write my law on your heart. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see it in 2 Corinthians 2. We yep. see other places, you know, in the New Testament that affirm that the that this Hebrews. promise has yeah, has taken place. It has taken place. And 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 yet as a as a reformed you know, Baptist in a good, strong, I'll even say it, Calvinistic type tradition. Okay. We point back towards um, the, the passage, the heart is the deceitful and will get above all things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and we say, well, that's, that's happening today. And, and I, I sent you both that video, right? And we talked mm-hmm. about it just a little bit. John Piper. And someone had taken all these clips of John Piper. Yeah, who, where, where John says, I'm bad. John Piper is bad. And then you hear the Michael Jackson music, you know, <laughs> dun, 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 bad, you know, and, and it's hilarious. How is that? It's, well, yeah, whatever. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but these are kind of the competing understandings, right, yeah. of the heart. Mm-hmm. Isn't it the heart? Is it the heart that we're pointing out that's either wicked and deceitful above all things or new? Or new, yeah. So really the question is, is, is who are we now in Christ? Like, what is it that we have yeah. now? 
and Todd is going to fully articulate yes. well, we'll see. answer all the questions. I'll, I'll, Here we go. I'll, I'll go. I'll, so, because, so, and this so we'll is talk important. Like, if you're it listening is. to this, like, this is who we are. This is mm-hmm. what Jesus has come to do. And, and so Todd is helping wrestle with this text that we would know who we are, how, how we relate to sin, mm-hmm. the victory we have in Christ, and yeah. what that means for our daily life. And so this isn't like heady, you know, no. ivory tower type, you know, theology that doesn't this is stuff that's talked about and anticipated all throughout the Mm -hmm. old testament finds fulfillment in the new testament and and we're living in this and so if we want to know how to be uh how to live out the christian life i mean this is essential so it is it absolutely is is. so todd go ahead lead us lead us in this conversation so i i think the best so the question has this happened and i think we have to say yes and no don't we? We have been given a new heart. Mm-hmm. We have had our sins forgiven. We will one day stand before Jesus Christ, and we will be officially forgiven, right, at the judgment seat of Christ. We've just been given the verdict in advance. Um, but, but our justification, yeah. our declaration of righteousness, that properly begins or, or, or belongs, that properly belongs at the judgment seat. All right? And so th- there's all this kind of yes and no, now but not yet. Have we been given a new heart? Yes. That's the promise. Mm-hmm. Have we been given the Spirit of God? Yes. I think that's like the seal of the new covenant, yeah. right? So yes, we have. Have we been caused to walk in his statutes and to, and to be careful to obey all of God's rules? Don't we have to say, it sure doesn't feel like it? Uh, no, that's not my ordinary experience. There's a tension that exists. There's a tension there. Now, but I think that the tension that lies here, it lies in the whole thing that Jesus came to establish, which was the kingdom of God. Now, maybe 50 years ago, no one was talking about the kingdom being already, but not yet. The, the kingdom was already here in its fullness, or none of it was here, and it was all in the future. But now, uh, because of some, some scholarship and some reading and some preaching, most Christians are pretty comfortable with the idea of the kingdom is now, that is, it's been inaugurated. Jesus has come and he has inaugurated his kingdom, but it has not yet been fully consummated. We live in this inaugurated kingdom. We serve as, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, ambassadors of that kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm but we don't live in the fully consummated kingdom. That will only happen when Christ returns. I think the new covenant heart is kind of like that as well, that it has been inaugurated. We have been given this heart, but it has not yet been fully consummated. That happens at glorification. In the meantime, we work on sanctification, which is this cooperative work, not the only thing that's cooperative in all of salvation, with us and God, uh, we there's, there's all these commands to mortify the flesh, to to put aside the you know the, the to put aside sin, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That sort of thing. That's what we do now. And as we move towards the fully consummated new covenant heart, I I I think I I, I trust that sanctification is progressive, that it's it works itself out over time. It doesn't feel like that always. Sometimes it feels like I'm going backwards. But when I pause and I look back at how I was 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or even maybe a year ago, I, I, it gives me hope. I, there's evidence of God working in my life that, that we're moving think, yeah. in the right direction. Moving we need in the to right make direction. sure that those looks are not every day. Because yeah. like when oh. I look at my son who's 11, I never think he grows. <laughs> but when I look at like a picture from like, you know, two years ago, I'm like, whoa, yeah. he showed up like 19 inches. You know, I mean, he's just like gigantic. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to do that with our Christian life. If I we look so every single day, we kind of go, man, have I grown at all? But when I go six months ago, yeah. a year ago, and that progressive, we're progressively becoming more yeah. and more like Christ. And that's where I think it's good to have friendships. When we're church hopping all the time oh, yeah. and people don't yeah. know us and, and people aren't able to, to help with us, we don't have anyone growing with us in that long term. But when, like Bobby and I, we've known each other for... A year and a half? 
year and a half, we're able to start seeing God's love grow in us and us becoming more and more like Christ every time we come together now. So that's a blessing of friendship, I think, over time. Uh, and, and it's vital, and, and, and I think it's helpful as we speak into each other's lives just to encourage each other. Wow, I, I see the Spirit of God working in your life. It might not be evident to you. You might be getting really discouraged, but I see it in yeah. you. And, and usually we can see things in other people easier than we can see it in ourselves. I was just going to say, we, we need to help our people understand what to look for in their own growth. Because I think far too often, and I think maybe we'll get to this next, uh, maybe not, uh, we tend to either um, self-aggrandize, mm-hmm. which means, oh my gosh, I'm so good. <laughs> yep. you know, Or, especially in our tradition, uh, oh, yeah. self-deprecate. Which is, man, there, there's nothing good in me. No, not nothing, right? Yeah. Which is, which we can point to things in Scripture. Oh, that, in that both Old Testament that. and New Testament, old and new, yeah. both yep. sides. Uh, but, but we might not see the progress. And so, um, tell me if I'm derailing you. I know. It's fine. Um, uh, can yes. oh, not sorry. you, Todd? <laughs> uh, can we do something now here in the kingdom uh, uh, with a pure heart? Or is it always a mixed motive? Uh, probably this side of glorification, there's always going to be a mixture. Um, but but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that God can't differentiate between moral acts. I I, I mean I hear because people in our tradition are very fond of of quoting the passage. You know, like like all of our works are like filthy rags before the Lord, and and and. I think we need to be careful when we say that because it makes it sound like God can't differentiate between an axe murderer and, and, and somebody giving a child a cup of, of water. You know, yeah. they're both just filthy rags. Right. You know, what that means is that we can't leverage God, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that all of our works are tainted with sin, but, but that doesn't mean that we can't do things that are good that God doesn't recognize as being good. It just means that it doesn't merit our salvation at all because everything is tinged I mean, e- even the most righteous things that we do are, are probably tinged with some, some brokenness and some sin, some rebellion, pride, what, whatever, right? Um, but I, I trust that my heart is growing in purity over time, and I trust that one day it will be perfectly pure, not because of any great sanctifying work that I'm doing in my own life, but because... You know, God just finally gets tired of waiting and and and, and <laughs> sends Jesus and 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 we become like He is uh, when we see Him as as He is. And um, so, walk us through. So, there's this tension that we have. So, in Christ now, we have a new heart. Yes. Uh, so, do we have two natures then? Um, like, do we have a okay. a new mm-hmm. na- this new nature yeah. in Christ? This well, you new have heart? a new nature for sure, but, right? What Do about we the, have an old like? The, yeah. Like, help us navigate Good. that. Okay. Well, and is there so, a superhero? So we're gonna. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> have one for that. Um, so uh, we we have to geek out a little bit with some with some Greek. Yeah. And and do some translation bashing, which I don't like to do, at all. Um, the Paul was very clear, and so was John, that we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil, mm-hmm. and the word for flesh is the Greek word sarx. All right. That doesn't mean, I, I don't know that that will get you anywhere at all. <laughs> um, but th- this word sarx, so how do we translate it? Well, Paul talked a lot about the flesh, an awful lot about the flesh. And, and when he talked about the flesh, he wasn't talking about, you know, skin and bones and muscle. He was talking about this propensity towards doing evil. Yeah. Right. The, the NIV, for some reason... Their 1981 NIV was, um, they translated sarks, not flesh, but sin nature. Right. Sin nature. Now, to their credit, in the 2011 NIV, which, which is in many ways a much better translation than the, than the 80, 84, 84, 84, okay. thank you, uh, than the 84 version. Um, now, uh, let me back up just a second. I, I, I came to Christ reading the NIV. Nobody's okay. going to go to hell reading the NIV. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, a, it's magnificent. And, and I remember getting my first, my first translation, my, my first NIV in like 1979, 1980 yeah. or so. Um, so I, I'm not here to bash on, on the NIV. Every, every translation has strengths. 
and weakness. Every translation has weakness. You're, you're absolutely right. Well, this was a big weakness, I think, yeah. of the 84 version. And so you had all these Christians running around thinking that they had two natures, two natures, when the Bible never, ever yeah. says that. The Bible says yeah. that we battle the flesh. Now, the, 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 but they're reading in their Bible, the NIV, it says nature. sin nature, sin nature. The Bible doesn't say you have a sin nature, okay? The Bible says you have the flesh. Now, I don't want to minimize the flesh because everything that the NIV said about a sin nature is true of us. Just I wouldn't call it a sin nature. I'd call it what Paul called it, call it the flesh. Right. Call it the flesh. So Go ahead. differentiate then, what is a nature? Oh, okay. Well, a nature is who we essentially are, right? It, it's what makes us who we are. So to have two natures... Is, there's, there's only one person who has two natures. That's Jesus Christ, right. fully human, full human nature, and fully God, a divine nature, right? There's only one person who has two natures. And, and, and we're certainly not battling, like, a good nature versus a bad nature. Like the I, good for, like, like the force, dark, what is that, Star Wars? The force and the, the dark? Well, the dark side. The, the dark, dark side. side I, yeah, who knows? You know, like the, the, you know, like the yin and the yang. Yeah. Or there's some, like, like uh, Manichaeanism from Augustine's past that, where it's a, you know, a tense battle between good and evil. The Bible never talks about it that way. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ, and we've been given a new heart. But, as Paul makes very clear, we still battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the flesh is what we carry around with us all the time. It's every, through genetics, through habit, through Hmm. anything that any psychologist or sociologist would say why you do what you do, Mm -hmm. that is all part of this flesh that we are battling. It's this, and, and how it manifests itself is a propensity to do evil, a propensity to to be proud, a propensity to be selfish. And, and it is weighty and horrific and hard, and, and, and the battle of sanctification is about putting to death the deeds of the flesh so that we could be fully alive in Christ. Um, that's the tension that we're in right now, because as I understand this new covenant promise of Ezekiel, of a new heart, a new spirit, I think that has been inaugurated has not been fully consummated, just like everything in the kingdom. Hmm. Everything in the kingdom of God, which is everything that we do, is inaugurated, not yet fully consummated. So we, we have this new nature now in Christ. We yep. have this new heart. Yep. Um, we've been made new, and yet we're also in the tension of being made new. Mm-hmm. Like the consummation, like First uh, John 3, 2 says yeah. uh, that when Christ returns, we will see him as, as he, he is, is, for we will be made like him. Yeah, and, and then it says everyone who has this hope in him does what? Purifies, Purifies himself, himself. Yeah. just as he is pure. So we know who we are positionally, yeah. and, uh, and I would even say essentially, and now we have to bring our behavior to match this, this future reality of what we will be. We will be right. like and so Christ. When we, when we kill sin, to yep. use that term, mm-hmm. the mortification of sin, yep. uh, when we uh, try to kill the desires of the flesh, what we're in essentially doing is being who we are in Christ. Being we're who we are in Christ. Christ yep. I am now... Mm-hmm. Uh, holy in Christ. I'm now new in Christ, and I'm now aligning only by God's grace and mm-hmm. His Spirit that is yeah. within me. I'm aligning all of my actions and my thoughts and, and my deeds in line with the character of Christ. Uh, and we all look forward to the one day where that fight will be completely yeah. over yep. when we are fully glorified mm-hmm. um, at Christ's return. But right now we're in this Kind of this battle. Yeah, this now but not yet stage. Okay, yeah. so does that mean, so I don't want to, so, so walk me through. You got a Christian, and he's struggling. Yeah. And he's struggling, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of young men, mm-hmm. um, all, all ages, but a lot of young men, especially porn, it's so hard to come out Absolutely. of. Absolutely. So hard to come out of. And they're going, man, I am still battling this. The same it sin. It is so mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Um, and Maybe I'm not saved. And, and it's thoroughly discouraging because you just don't see the fruit. How does, how does this, this theology help, yeah. help him? Well, I, I think, for one, we need to get past the idea that, uh, that I'm this two-nature person. Yeah. You are a new creation in Christ, yeah. right? Um, and so there, there should be hope there. This is who you are. Now, you're also a sinner, 
Right, because you're carrying this around. So when John Piper is saying, I'm bad, I, I wouldn't disagree with what he's saying. And, <laughs> I and, got the Michael yeah. Jackson thing going through yeah. my head now. Yeah, I, <laughs> Thanks, that's, Bobby. That, 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 is, that is theologically accurate. What, what he's not saying, though, is that he has this sin nature, yeah. that, like he's this dual nature person. It might feel that way, right? He's like, uh, so you tell me that I'm, I'm alive in Christ, but I don't feel like that dog. Well, you're weighed down by sin. See, uh, sin has always been a cancerous leech. Hmm. It's, yeah. it's never the essence of who we are. Um, now, sin is the universal experience of, of humanity, except for one person. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's true. And so we say to err is human, right? But that's not actually true. Mm-hmm. It's not actually true. To err is actually subhuman. Yeah. Yeah. It's subhuman. And, and so... Um, and that, that's a good, can you just take like three seconds and unpack that? Because I don't think anyone understands that. Because when we come back into Genesis mm-hmm. and we're made in the image of God, he makes humans. Can you yeah. just, yeah, he makes why humans. is it subhuman to be oh, sinful? Well, because, uh, because we're violating who we are, whose image we have been created in, whose ima- uh, the, the, the very being that we image, that we're supposed to image. Uh, that's we, good. We're, we're violating him. Uh, we, we are ignoring the, the, the cultural mandate to... Uh, to, you know, God basically, he makes everything and then he makes people in his own image and then says, take care of my stuff. Well, it takes an image bearer to do that. We have been uniquely created to take care of all God's stuff and, and, and do everything else associated with the Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 mandates. Um, and he made us human to do that. Hmm. Right? This, is, this is who we are. Well, uh, then you turn the page, the very next page on your Bible, and you have rebellion. Uh, by these image bearers, and it plunges the world into sin. We now take after our, uh, after our father, yeah. who was thoroughly and totally human, and and yet sinned, yeah. and he sinned. Uh, the the sin is not what made him human. The sin actually dehumanizes, and and we see that, of course, in how sin manifests itself. It has a yeah. dehumanizing effect. I mean, think of think of the young man you talked about. Uh, addicted to porn, just staring at this computer <laughs> screen, dehumanizing other women. But even as he stares, a a a a, a captive of his own lusts is yeah. is this the dignity of humanity that we're seeing there? I mean, mm. it's 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 horrifying. And so, uh, so yeah, sin is the universal experience of humans for now. But one day, the promise is, is that we will be like Jesus. Jesus, very human. Thoroughly, completely human. Thoroughly, completely human. One day we will be like him. And so I would say we will be more human than we've ever been before when we are unencumbered by sin. And we could even say it this way. uh, You will be more you than you've ever been. The the real you will come out unencumbered by sin uh, for the very first time at at glorification. And in the meantime, we we grow into that. As we await the return of Christ, we, you know... it just seems to me that that if this is our destiny for all of eternity to be this way, shouldn't we be moving in that direction now? Yeah, and and and, and I think that's the that's the kind of carrot at the end of the stick that Scripture puts out for us, and and it's one of the carrots. You know, there's rewards, there's there's threat of punishment, there's discipline, there's all those sorts of things as well. But that's one of them. You know. I think I think defining the nature, what that really means, is is good. So basically, what you're saying is, we have one nature. We're human. Yeah, that's our nature. It's, mm-hmm. it, we, we can't separate it and say we have a sin nature. Um, are we sinners? Yes. Yeah. Um, is that part of the human experience right now? Yeah. It's part of the subhuman experience. Yeah. Right? And, and we are being, we're going from being spiritually dead to being made alive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the picture, and I want to be careful because I don't want to uh, over-analogize it, uh, mm-hmm. it, but of sin actually being leeches on the body. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it is definitely that way for the new covenant believer in Christ. The, if, if we wanted to talk about uh, humans, unregenerate humanity being sinners by nature, yeah, sure, that describes who they are essentially, right? But as a new creature, a new creation in Christ, yeah. we have been given something new. We've been given this new heart. And and, and again, by, by, by saying it's not a sin nature in the Christian, I don't want to minimize it at yeah. all because yeah. it is devastating yeah. and hard and it can be discouraging and it can feel like you're going nowhere fast. And in God's providence, he might not ever give you victory over a certain sin before you meet Christ. Yeah. That could be. 
sometimes people come to Christ and some sins, they just go away just like that. Well, and I think that, that just, is not normal, though. I think yeah. just you saying that, and I hope people hear that, coming to Christ doesn't mean in this age we have victory over every sin in the sense of we will not struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we will no longer be tempted by it. I-, I love the people who say, man, when I came to know Christ, no longer do I have this desire at all anymore. Yeah. And for some people, you know, it was porn or other things, and it just got cut and done. severed. Yep. And the, the problem is we, we take that to be the norm. That, oh, man, if only I'm more like that guy, yep. which, yeah. which then we're idolizing him instead of Christ and the grace that God gives mm-hmm. us. Uh, but we're meant to be in this struggle, and this struggle is very much the means in which Christ is teaching us to depend upon him, mm-hmm. to trust in him, to know that his grace is sufficient for each day. Yeah. But all of those say. are important lessons for the kingdom that, we'll, that we will benefit from for all of eternity. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, God, God could have. I, I mean, certainly God can just uh, take away every sinful impulse and inclination. Sure. He could. Um, he just doesn't typically do that and right. has not done that, at least in my experience of 52 years. So is, is, the, is the question um, about sin and identity. So if, if I am a, a new creation, I have a new nature, and yet I still sin, mm-hmm. um, you say, yes, we are in one sense a sinner, but we're yep. also another sense a saint. But yep. which one is our identity, and and I'm thinking specifically in lines of Romans seven. Romans seven, yeah. right? Because Paul says it's no longer I who sin, yeah, but it's sin, and he, and he, I think he says the, the word sin within me, living yeah. in me. Is that what he says? Or dwells, dwelling, dwelling, the sin dwelling. that that dwells within me. Verse seventeen. So verse now seventeen. It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Uh-huh. Verse eighteen. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my. And of course, we flesh. understand flesh. that people flesh, debate yeah. about this. This uh, chapter, whether yep. this is Paul before he comes to know Christ, or is this Paul after he comes to know Christ? Yeah. So we're, we're, let's not muddy the water and be trying to mm-hmm. get into all of that. So if we can sidestep the great Debate. controversy there. Yeah. Um, if we say this is Paul as a believer, mm-hmm. how do we understand? Which I this? think it is, at, at least at this point in my study. I think I, 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 I think agree. Paul I is think describing Paul his experience. Yeah, let's yeah. not sidestep that. <laughs> All right, look straight up. This is chapter seven. Is Paul is a Christian, that, and yeah. he's talking about the very normal Christian experience yeah, yeah, that we so. struggle in sin. And when you read it, it, it tracks perfectly within Romans 8.1. Yeah, Therefore, that, yeah. there is now no condemnation. So he yeah. struggles with sin, but the hope, the victory, is yeah. that. All of God's wrath has been uh, absorbed in Christ. And so, but how do we make sense of, of chapter 7? Paul says, I got nothing good in me, but, but yeah. what you have showed us, I'm a new nature. Yeah. So am I a new nature or is there nothing good in me? Well, I, I do think that Paul, so this, just to give a little background, there's enormous debate within yeah. Yeah. the same camps, mm-hmm. right? It, it's mm-hmm. not like one camp against another within right. the camps as to uh, who, who is Paul when he's talking yeah. here. Now, I think he's talking about just the normal Christian experience at this point. Um, That's why we have him on here. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's talking about the normal <laughs> Christian experience. I think he's being a little hyperbolic when he says, there's nothing good in me. Okay. Um, yeah. There's nothing good in me. Uh, and yet, I, I think, he, and I think he's speaking very existentially here. This is my experience. He's, uh, you, you, can, huh. you, you can kind of feel the, the uh, discouragement, even, yeah. as, he's, as he's talking yeah. here, which is why I think this is such a powerful and profound thing, because it's Paul, because he ends on this note of who he actually is in Christ. Yeah. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ yes. our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Um, now, and so what is the flesh? It's this, it's this weight yeah. of propensity, of habit and genetics and everything that has been accumulated through however many years since the fall that has been passed on to us and that we have just emphasized and solidified through our own sinning as well. And it is a bear and a monster. And, yeah. and Paul is, is speaking about this. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Paul... When he says, "So um, you know, there's there's nothing good in me," I, I, he, this is the same guy who wrote, "I am the worst of all sinners." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But how how do we read that then? Because you did a, mm-hmm. a neat job on showing 
the tension and, and probably more of an existential look. How do we not have a defeatist attitude there? Yeah. Um, okay, this, this is just the way I am. This is just what my flesh is yeah. going to do. I'm, I'm just going to struggle with porn. I'm just going to struggle with lying. I'm just going to struggle with, Yeah. so be it. Like, yeah. how do we... Well, I, I, I mean, I would say to that person, then struggle. Then, then actually do struggle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, yeah. By your own admission, I yeah. bet that probably might not be helpful. I understand what you're saying, that I'm, I'm not going to win victory over this, so I'm just going to give up. Yeah. Well, it's just who I am. I'm just yeah. Because because that's not actually who you are. You are a new creature in Christ. Your destiny is to be this. Uh, Every mandate of the New Testament is to move towards holiness for a host of reasons. But but I think what that person who's struggling needs to know is it's that you need to struggle. Yeah. You need to fight. You need to fight it, and it's going to be a fight. So you need to struggle, and it's going to be a struggle. So maybe, especially going back a little bit, like how how do pastors help in this? We yeah. need to make sure that when we're communicating the truth, that okay, we're victors in Christ, that we have this new nature, mm-hmm. and the Spirit is within us. We need to make sure then that we also help our people see that's not this, you know, uh, amazing sin-free life, but but. That is who we it's are in Christ, heaven. and yet yeah. we will struggle, and the struggle is evidence of our faith in Christ. Absolutely. And if there is no struggle, then that brings us into another question. Do be, we have faith yeah. in Christ? You're absolutely right. And so if you're listening, then that means that whatever sin you're going in, that's not a sign that God does not love you, yeah. but the very fact that you struggle in it is a sign of God's grace sanctifying you and making you more like him, preparing you for that consummated day of glory mm-hmm. where you'll be fully like him. Yeah. Well, and the struggle is a fight of faith. Yes. The struggle is a fight of faith to believe what Paul wrote in verse 25 or 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who is going to deliver me? How Thanks is this going to be changed? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who through Christ Jesus our Lord, right? We're um, sorry. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the answer. He's going to deliver us. And, and, of course, so he says, so then now I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So that's, and, and then we go into chapter 8, right? There is therefore no condemnation. You're not condemned. Even though you see and there's the struggle of sin and the temptation, you are struggling, but the struggle that you're believing that God will, that Jesus will deliver you, right? Uh, yeah. That he has delivered you, that he has removed his curse from you, or at least the curse and in, in, uh, for eternity. You know, we still have the effects of sin here and now. Um, but, but Paul isn't silent on sanctification either. I no. mean, he, he speaks <laughs> very boldly. And uh, 2 Corinthians 3 is, uh, um, okay, Remember when I said we're going to do those, um, that section, you know, ding, 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 stupid things Christians say. You know, what are you uh, talking about? <laughs> uh, uh, if, if, <laughs> if, I were to, if I were to have a life verse, right? Oh, man. Uh-huh. This is scary It's now. coming. Uh, it would be 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Yeah. Right? For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. What, is he, what, what has he done? What is he doing? He's putting his spirit. He has put his spirit in us as a guarantee, right? Uh, but the next verse, how are we changed into his likeness? Like, how, how, how is the struggle of porn defeated, right? How is the struggle of lying defeated? What does that look like? Could it be that it remains a thorn in our side? It, it, it could be. But, but I also see that, that there is progressive mm-hmm. freedom from totally. our sinful habits. But it's, it's, it's done specifically by seeing, by beholding the glory of who God is, right? And this is, of course, why, why we named this podcast Satisfied. We've talked about this probably every podcast. Probably. Um, uh, how, does, how does that, does this fit into what you're speaking about in the New Covenant heart? Yeah, if, if I understand you correctly, I would say it, it does, absolutely. I, I think that uh, we in our Western tradition rightly call that final step glorification yeah. because we'll be like Christ. Uh, you know, in Eastern traditions, they might call it uh, theosis or deification. Uh, and and there's, that's not bad either, but I really like the idea of glorification. And, and I think in order for us to progress in our sanctification, we have got to have some prevailing vision of the glory of Christ. Uh, it's hugely important. Yeah. Uh, I think about at the, at the transfiguration, 
when when uh, Peter and James and John saw the glorified Christ. And then Jesus said, don't tell anybody about this. And, and so they don't really, you know, they it just, it's just kind of there. Um, but, but that, but he gave them a vision of glory to motivate their obedience, I think, into the future. He had just said, he, was to, he had just asked them to do some really hard things. Take up your cross, follow me. It's not going to be easy. And, and then in the next scene, what does he do? He gives them a picture of his glory. Yeah. Unveiled, just, just briefly, unveiled, uh, I think, to motivate them. And, and then later on, Peter reflects on that. It, it was a life-changing thing mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he persevered in preaching the gospel. He wasn't making things up. He, and how? Or, or what kind of evidence does he give for why he's not making things up? I saw Christ glorified. Yeah. He says, this, this is the real deal. Um, and, and so that, I, I think that motivated everything that, that Peter did from that point on. He might have been oblivious to it at the moment. He might not have realized what he'd been given. But, um, but once Pentecost comes, Spirit is now transforming him. He's reminded of what he saw, and it, it just pushed and drove drove him. So as we are being sanctified, what is changing? What's changing? Yeah, I, I know our outside behaviors, and maybe, I, maybe um, we talked yeah. about the heart yeah. earlier. Is well, it the heart that changes? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I think so. Um, that, so it, it's, it, we have this now, but not yet heart, I guess. is. I, I think that, that kingdom analogy, it's, it's inaugurated, not yet consummated. It's, 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 it's here, it's real, but it's not like the full meal deal that it will be. And so we work to uh, mortify the flesh. We work for this transformation mm-hmm. of the heart to, to grow into what we have been given and what we will one day be. Yeah. Uh, because that's essentially, who we will be is essentially our identity, our, our essence, and we, we, we worked with the Spirit to bring that into more and more reality now. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopelessly, in one sense, right, we're not going to be fully glorified before Christ returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopeless in that sense, but hopeful in that we know that one day we will be. Yeah. And, and, and John, that, you know, the, the passage you quoted from, from 1 John is, is apt, right? We will be like Christ. And, and John... He, he didn't even know what that would be. You know, we, we, we don't know what we will be, but we know this. We'll be like Christ. Isn't that amazing? Right? Yeah. We'll be like Christ yeah. uh, because we'll see him as he is. And then that very next verse, everyone who has this hope, this hope of future glorification, does what? Sanctifies himself yeah. right now. It purifies himself just as, according to what? According to the model of Christ, just as he is pure. Yeah. No, this has been helpful. I think, I think what we see here is that we're, we become new in Christ, um, when we receive his spirit through mm-hmm. faith and no longer are we, are we slaves to sin, but we're truly, we're victors in Christ in that sense. And now um, the evidence of that is our struggle against sin. And the reason we struggle, the reason we fight is because we know there is that day of glorification coming. We know that there's a day that the fight is going to be over. And so we need not be discouraged when we are struggling with sin, yeah. uh, but we can actually be encouraged that we are struggling with sin Absolutely. and that we know that that fight is coming over. And so uh, I think that's good news for us. And I think we need to make sure we have that category as a Christian that, yes, we are new. We must understand that identity, and mm-hmm. yet the tension, we're being made new, so we're still going to be in the fight. Mm-hmm. And if we just swing to we're new, and yeah. then we, we, we fall into sin, we go, man, what happened? Does not God not love me anymore? You know, what have I done? But, no, yeah. that is the, the, as we even looked at in Romans 7, it seems to be the normal Christian life uh, that we will struggle with sin. Yeah. And so, uh, but yet we do have that hope, and that's a, that's a confident yeah. hope that we will be fully glorified in Christ. That's I, good news, man. Yeah. yeah. I think that this dovetails with doctrine of the Holy Spirit really, really well as well. I, I get a lot of people running into my office, also at the church, just asking about their experience with the Spirit. And it's like mm. it doesn't, it, you know, there's all these other people who have this incredible experience with the Spirit. But look at what Ezekiel 36 said. It's, you know, you'll be given a new spirit, but I would argue it's, it's, it's all part and parcel of the new covenant. It's all inaugurated. It's a now, but not yet. And that's why Paul, especially, who taught a lot on the spirit, 
talked about the spirit in um, proleptic uh, language. That is uh, a little bit of the future brought into the present. That that uh, the, the spirit is the first fruits. We've been given the first yeah. fruits of the spirit, but we haven't been given the full meal deal. And so when people come to me and say, I'm just not satisfied with my relationship with the spirit, I, I, there's a part of me, well, and I do say this, say, you were never meant to be satisfied with what you have been given of the spirit now. This <laughs> is to whet our appetite. It, what we have with the Spirit now does not compare to what we will have with the Spirit in glory. That's where we get the full meal deal. Right now, we're just getting first fruits. We're just getting uh, the wetting of the appetite, so to speak. And, 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 and that Which is why there's still the struggle, because once absolutely. we have the fullness of the Spirit, we will not struggle against sin because we will be fully like Christ. And that's why we have to be reminded over and over again to be filled with the Spirit, yeah. right? To be filled with the Spirit. Now, we've been baptized with the Spirit. We're indwelt by the Spirit. That's just basic new covenant, immediate new right. covenant promise. Uh, but And yet, why then, Paul, who would say, you have been baptized in the Spirit, you have been indwelt by the Spirit, why does he command us to be filled with the Spirit? Because we don't have the fully consummated experience with the Spirit. And, and we as flesh, fleshly Christians uh, are prone to wander. Yeah. And we have to constantly be uh, renewing our minds, uh, uh, re, uh, recommitting, re, you know, just, just everything that takes daily to, to honor Christ. That's um, good. So. That's helpful. Praise up. Yeah. Um, no, you pray us up. I pray last pray time. up. All right. There you go. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we, we thank you for this time that we have. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that is full of promises and that shows us uh, that now, because of your son, Jesus Christ, and God, we have been made new. And God, may that fill us with joy that we are now new creations, that we have a, a new heart, a new spirit within us, that we would live as you have called us to. And Lord, as we, as we battle against sin, may we know that your spirit is within us, uh, strengthening us, giving us grace each and every day, uh, that we might continue to live as you have called us to, that uh, that our lives would glorify you, that we'd be progressively made more and more like you. Lord, I pray that we, uh, we would seek friendships with others that would help encourage us in our walk, that would point out that we are growing, that would point out when we're not growing, that would encourage us and walk with us in our way as we seek to follow you. Um, Lord, give us, give us a desire strengthen our desire to be in your word, that we would know these truths, these amazing truths of your word that are meant to equip us, to strengthen us, and to comfort us, that, Lord, we, we are your children now. We are holy, and we are being made holy. May we know that, God. May we look forward to the day. May we long for the day in which we will see you face to face. In your wonderful name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to Satisfied. You can find resources and other podcasts on our website, www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That is dot L-I-F-E. Hey, thoughts, questions, comments, please contact us through our website. Thanks for listening.